this practice of meditation uh, that we just spent the last half hour engaging in, this practice of mindfulness of breathing, the primary meditation practice that the Buddha taught, mindfulness of breathing, anapanasate, mindfulness of in and out breathing, breath meditation. It's a way of coming to the present moment. So a very simple way of thinking about the practice is we're coming out of the head and out of the thought realm, thought worlds, to the body. Coming to the body is the way that we come to the present moment. We use the breath to center ourselves in the body. So out of the head to the body brings us into the present moment. But this practice of mindfulness of breathing, the way the Buddha taught it, uh, is, is much more than, than just that. Uh, somebody once came to the Buddha and was struggling and was, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time with it, meditation, you know, this, this mindfulness of breathing, you know, and the Buddha said, well, what are you doing? And, 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 and the person said, well, I'm just being mindful of the breath. The Buddha kind of looked at him askance a bit and said, well, there's that kind of mindfulness of breathing, but that's not what we teach. And he went on to explain to him what, what he taught. Uh, and of course, what the Buddha taught was to be mindful of the breath, but also to shape an experience of the breath and of the body and of the present moment that was uh, easeful and pleasurable. Uh, so quite a bit different than what that particular uh, uh, seeker had been practicing and what most people practice when they practice uh, what they refer to as breath meditation, but really the way the Buddha taught Anapanasate, it's more than just being present, it's shaping an experience of the present moment, which really means shaping an experience of the body and the breath, uh, an experience that's easeful and pleasurable. So uh, in practicing mindfulness of breathing, uh, we come to the breath, into the present moment, but we shape an experience of the breath uh, that's easeful, pleasurable. So this cultivation of the easeful breath is really essential to the Buddhist teaching of awakening. The breath is a reflection of the mind. This is the, one of the reasons why the Buddha uses the breath in his, in his contemplation on uh, breath and body and meditation. Uh, the breath is a reflection of the mind. So if there's dis-ease in the mind, uh, that will be, uh, uh, we, can, we can find that in the breath or that'll be there in the breath. The breath is a reflection of the mind, so there's often dis-ease, dissonance in the breath, a lack of ease, a lack of comfort in the breathing. Uh, we go through our lives like that. Most people never notice that. You know, uh, most people who meditate don't notice that really so much. Uh, it's uh, it's hard to notice that even when we start to make uh, a more in-depth uh, 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 investigation of the breathing. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenging step in the breath meditation. Uh, 
but uh, we come to see that there's dis-ease in the breath. So, uh, you know, when there's dis-ease in the breath, sometimes we notice it like, you know, we're pushing the breath, we're pushing the breath, or we're squeezing the breath. <clears throat> really what that means in many ways is that uh, we're sort of breathing too long, maybe the in-breath is a little too long, it, you know, it's meant to be a certain length and we're kind of pushing it, or, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, it's meant to be longer and we're squeezing it. So it's either the in-breath and the out-breath are either too long or, out, or too short, uh, and the breath is out of rhythm. The breath is out of rhythm. Uh, I mean, I could give, you know, a whole uh, dissertation on, you know, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems and how they're modulated by the length of in-breath and out-breath, but I won't do that. Uh, suffice it to say that, you know, when the breath is, when there's dis-ease in the breath, uh, you know, the breath is, uh, you know, either too long or too short because we're pushing it or squeezing it, uh, you know, and really we're kind of doing that unwittingly, uh, uh, but the dis-ease in the mind is causing the breath to be out of tune, out of rhythm. So when there's that dis-ease, the breath is out of rhythm, it's dissonant, it's out of tune. So in the breath meditation, what we're learning to do is, is see the dis-ease. Uh, now, you know, it's not really, you know, seeing is a funny word, hearing might be a better word, but, you know, you're feeling it, right? It's a felt experience. Uh, you know, the metaphor the Buddha uses in the teachings is uh, somebody working on a lathe, feeling the wood or the material, in his or her hands. It's a felt experience of the breath. So this is like one of those things, like many things in the Dharma and in life, if you try to figure them out intellectually, you know, you know you're, you're really setting yourself up for a lot of uh, uh, agitation. It's something that you have to learn to develop. It's a felt experience. Our experience of uh, life is meant to be a felt experience. This is where we've gotten ourselves into difficulty in the first place, right? By thinking too much and being in the head, we're trying to get out of the head, be mindful of the breath and feel the breath and begin to feel that dissonance in the breath, that dis-ease in the breath. So uh, if we can begin to feel the dis-ease in the breath, the breath will become more easeful, but we'll also begin to notice the ease in the breath. Uh, and we begin to be aware of what it is to breathe in an easeful way. Uh, and we allow the body to breathe in the most easeful way. So we find, and, and oftentimes that manifests as finding a rhythm. So the Thai teacher Ajahn Lee, that you know, our practice is largely derived from, uh, in this tradition, you know, says there's four kinds of breath, long in, long out, short in, long out, long in, short out, short in, short out. And it's kind of those middle two, short in, long out, long in, short out, is where the breath is regulating. If you want to think about this, the breath is regulating. The breath is always regulating the central nervous system. The problem is the mind gets in there and throws, throws it all out of whack. So as the breath in its, you know, the body in its infinite wisdom, I mean, the organism is a marvelous organism if we allow it to be what it can be, 
uh, will constantly be bringing the body into regulation. So we're just allowing the breath to bring the body into regulation. I mean, I'm giving you a lot more backdrop than you really need here, but you're finding the rhythm. That's why the, that's why you know, you know, you might have certain ideas about the breath. Oh, long in, long out is the most conducive breath, is the most easeful breath. It's always changing. You know, it's changing, you know, and it's, of course it's very minute the way it's changing, uh, you know, but, but from any meditation, it could, you know, the, the easeful breath, because the breath is regulating the central nervous system, uh, is always in a state of, 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 uh, uh, of flux. Uh, so, so, you know, it, it, it's, you know, there's a rhythm right? There's a rhythm. Uh, and so really what we're kind of finding is a rhythm. Like in this meditation we just did, you know, the breath had a, ver had a very particular rhythm, you know. That rhythm, of course, is different than any other time I ever meditated because the conditions are different than any ever other time I ever meditated. So every time you meditate, the rhythm of the breath is slightly different, you know. What's true when you find rhythm is it's in rhythm, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's like if you were a dancer, you know, you would, you know, and listening to music, you know, you're not going to, you know, let me try to dance the way I danced three weeks ago, you know, when I was at this club, you know, or when I was, you know, it's like, forget it, you know, you're going to be as clumsy as anything. You know, you're going with the music, you're going with how the body is, you're going with the conditions. You know, it's the same way with the breathing. You know, the breath is coming into rhythm and you're just allowing the breath to be in rhythm. So when the breath comes into rhythm, it conditions the body. Well, the breath always conditions the body. When the breath is in rhythm, it conditions an easeful quality in the body. Usually the body is riddled with dissonance, dis-ease, dissonant energy. The body is out of tune, right? You know, and that sort of manifests in, you know, the way that we look, you know, as we, you know, you just walk down the street, you know, in New York City or, you know, any big city and people are all tightened up and twisted and it's not just in the city, right? Uh, so, uh, so the breath conditions an easeful quality in the body. Uh, typically the body is kind of riddled with dis-ease and the body is out of tune. The body is out of tune. This has implications for us physically in terms of health and certainly mentally in terms of our capacity to operate at our highest level of efficiency. Uh, and of course, when the body is out of tune, we're cut off from the heart. So what we're learning to do in this step three of the meditation is to find an internal rhythm, right? An easeful energy flow. The energy is flowing e evenly and harmoniously throughout the body into all the parts of the body. This is what we're striving for in step three. Uh, so it's not like a lot of nice energy in the arms, but not so much in the legs, or it's strong in the hands, but weaker in the, in the forearms. No, it's an evenly dispersed flow of energy. The body is in rhythm, right? The body is in tune. The body is in tune. The body is in tune. When the body is in tune, this leads to mental ease, what's known as sukha, sometimes translated as pleasure, uh, quality of pleasure, internal pleasure, well-being, when the body is in ease. It makes sense, right? I mean, this is, you know, uh, you know, the body is dissonant. The mind is like, I don't like the way that I feel. So, 
in breath meditation, we're cultivating, you know, this this internal ease, this pleasant abiding, this internal rhythm. Uh, and in walking meditation, we're doing the same thing. And the walking meditation, as I often say, is a bridge into life. Is a bridge into life. Uh, so, uh, you know, in retreat. It's kind of a continue. We just did a long retreat. Walking meditation is a continuation of the sitting in terms of developing our concentration. In daily life practice, it's kind of a bridge. So, so we're training ourselves to be in rhythm in life. So even if we do walking meditation for five minutes a day, it's a good training. You know, you're going to go out there into the world. And, you know, it's different. You know, the sitting meditation is a great training, uh, you know, for finding ease and well-being. But, you know, sitting meditation is a very proscribed uh, environment, you know, with, you know, you're, 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 you're basically blocking off most of the senses, right? So once you go out there into the world, you're going to be barraged with sense experience. When we get barraged, or when there is sense experience, even if we're not barraged, and we relate to it in any way, shape, or form unskillfully with either liking pleasant sense experience or disliking unpleasant sense experience. I'm just describing daily life, right? The body, you know, tightens and tenses. So what we're learning to do is bring a quality of ease into our days. And then, of course, notice when the body tightens and tenses. So in the style of walking meditation that we teach, this Thai style, the style really, uh, you know, the Buddha taught in, uh, in the forest tradition. Uh, 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 we're mindful of the breath, right? We're mindful of the breath. It's really the same thing. We're mindful of the breath. We, we you know, we, we've established the breath in the sitting, in our sitting practice, and then we're learning to maintain it, maintain it. We're learning to maintain this easefulness, this quality of rhythm. This, we're learning to maintain this easefulness and quality of rhythm. So this is really important, right? This is really important for walking, but also for life. We don't want to be just present, right? This is the whole premise, right, that I started this talk off with vis-a-vis -vis what mindfulness of breathing is all about. It's not about just being present. It's about being present with ease and being in tune and being in rhythm. So in the walking meditation, you know, where where you know, and this is how we want to be in the world. This is how we want to be in the world. Uh, so in the walking meditation, we're mindful of the breath, and gradually we're learning to connect, to call up, to summon up that easeful breath, and find a rhythm in the breathing as we're walking back and forth, back and forth. This is why walking meditation is so important because it's a training. Uh, it's hard to do that once you get out there onto the street. You can do it, but if you train a little bit, back and forth, back and forth, you know, in a training format every day for five minutes, you know, do that. If you do that every day for the next year, money back guarantee, you know, Donna back guarantee, uh, you know, that your life will change. Your life will change. Why not try it? You know, why not try it? Uh, five minutes a day, back and forth, you know, in your flat, you know. You know, if you have a if you have an, if you have a tiny flat, I've done walking meditation in my in my apartment over on Avenue C. Many of you were there. You know, with 16 to 20 people. You know, 
people walking back and forth in the bathroom, three people in the kitchen. You know, you can do it. You know, you can do it back and forth, five minutes a day, uh, finding your rhythm, finding your rhythm. Mostly what I'm trying to do is I'm trying, in the walking meditation, I'm trying to, to be in the present moment, to be with the breath, to be connected to the breath, and then the body. So it's mindful of the breath, and then mindful of the body, mindful of the body walking with the breathing, with the breathing, and I'm connecting to breath, I'm connecting to body in the walking. Might start off with the breath and then the full body, the experience of the body walking. Uh, I'm connecting to the present moment, but I'm finding a rhythm. You know, I'm finding my rhythm. I'm finding my rhythm. I'm finding that inner ease. I'm finding that sense of gracefulness, that quality of inner grace, inner grace. You know, so it's not just about I'm gonna I'm feeling the breath. Boring. You know, everybody's probably saying, but you know, once you start thinking about it as rhythm, ease, inner grace, gracefulness, that's what I'm trying to find in the walking meditation, trying to come into that. So it's a process of finding a rhythm, coming into tune. It's a metaphor that the Buddha used a lot, uh, uh, being in tune. You know, and you know, it's said that he he used that those kinds of metaphors a lot because he came from a musician family of musicians. They played a lot of instruments, you know. And it's like, it's like if you think about you know your body as a musical instrument, you want to be in tune. You want to be in tune. Uh, so we're tuning our instrument. We're tuning this organism uh, in the walking meditation. So it's really important to to get yourself in tune every day, you know just the way a musician would tune an instrument. You know, if you play, you know, if you play guitar, you know, and you, you know, I mean, you know how guitarists are, you know, it's sort of like, you know, they, uh, you know, they're, they're constantly tuning the guitar, right? Constantly tuning the guitar. I was thinking about that, you know, the concert for Bangladesh, you know, I think, what was it, 1970, during my uh, gloriously misspent youth, uh, you know, and, and I think it's on the recording, actually, if you listen to it, you know, Ravi Shankar, you know, and his, you know, you know, George Harrison asked Ravi Shankar and his, his musicians playing the sitar to come out and start the concert, you know, and they all come out and they're playing the sitar, you know, they're, they sit in front of their sitars and they're for like about 10 minutes, you know, and the place is going crazy, right? And then, you know, Ravi Shankar stops and said, well, so far we've just been tuning, but, you know, if you love the rest of the concert, you know, as much as you love the tuning, you know, thank you, you know, that'll be great. So, so you know, we have to get this instrument in tune. So uh, we get out of tune, you know, we get out of tune a lot. So at least once a day, you know, if you formally bring your instrument into tune, and you want to do it more as you go throughout your, the course of your day, you know, we want to, we need to learn to bring ourselves into tune. So perhaps this is a little bit more of a refined or evolved way of thinking about walking meditation, perhaps it's a more refined or evolved way of thinking about what meditation is, right? About thinking about what meditation is. So when we're out there in the world, uh, it's the same thing. It's a process of staying present, staying present. We use the breath and the body to bring ourselves into the present moment out of the head you know, out of our preoccupation with external sense experience, noticing, of course, when 
we do become preoccupied and get caught in liking or disliking external sense experience, including thought. Uh, and it's a process of staying present with the breath and with the body and staying in tune. You know, staying in tune when we're out there in the world, right? You know, staying in tune, uh, staying in rhythm in all of our postures, sitting, standing, walking, and lying down in all of our postures, uh, staying in tune, finding a rhythm, finding a balance, having a balance when we're in the world, a quality of grace, quality of grace, gracefulness. You know, I once heard uh, one of my teachers, Michelle McDonald, talking about this and uh, her describing how her uh, her teacher in Burma, you know, was, you know, encouraging her, you know, in the very much the same way I'm encouraging you to develop her, her gracefulness, her gra inner grace. Uh, and, you know, Michelle, you know, saying, but I'm not graceful. You don't understand. I'm not a graceful person. I'm not a graceful person. Uh, so, you know, we may think similarly, you know, we don't have the capacity for grace. Uh, you know, we may think of grace or gracefulness or balance or rhythm as something reserved for an athlete, you know, or a dancer or a musician, if you will. Or we may think of grace or gracefulness or rhythm, uh, balance as a physical quality, as a physical quality. That's not really what the Buddha is talking about so much. That's not really what we're talking about. That's a limited view. Uh, it's more of an internal quality, right? It's more of an internal quality. Uh, it's a quality right now that, you know, even though we're not moving ostensibly as we're sitting here, you know, there's an inner grace, an inner gracefulness, an inner rhythm that transcends the physical, you know, transcends the physical. So all beings have the potential to be in tune, you know, regardless of any of our physical limitations, which we all have, since we're all subject to aging, illness, and dying. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, this whole talk wouldn't really be worth that much, you know, given the truth of our human condition, if it was all about just being physically graceful. You know, it's a quality of inner grace, inner gracefulness. We all have this potential for this rhythm for this grace to be in tune. So we're finding this inside of ourselves. We're finding this inside of ourselves. This is our practice to find our inner rhythm, to find our inner rhythm. When we have this inner rhythm, we function, as I've already said, at our highest level. It's what I like to call the most favorable state, the most favorable state uh, where we, we function at our highest level in terms of work, in our relationships, in our dharma practice. This is why the Buddha taught this, because he wanted, this is why he learned it. This is what he found out. You know, he found out, you know, he was practicing ascetic practices and, you know, not eating anything. And his body was totally out of tune, you know, and he couldn't get to the next level. You know, he knew that he had to have this quality of inner ease and well-being a pleasant internal abiding if he was going to develop his meditation to the level that he needed to develop it to so that he could have discernment, liberating wisdom, so that he could find freedom with this quality of inner gracefulness, inner rhythm uh, was essential to that 
So, uh, you know, there's a great joy. You know, there's a great joy in finding our rhythm. You know, it's really coming back to ourselves, coming back to ourselves. So, you know, it's, it's different than the joys that we tend to think about, uh, you know, in life. Uh, you know, it's this inner joy, it's this, it's this joy that we know when we, when we find our rhythm, when we find ourselves, you know, in balance internally. Uh, when, we, when we come into tune, when we come into tune, there's, there's a certain joy. And more and more as we're in tune, as the Buddha came to understand, more and more as we're in tune, as we're in rhythm, we are able to connect to the heart. We're able to connect to the heart. When the body is in a state of disease and the mind is in a state of disease, we're blocked off from the heart. So we begin to start to be able to connect to the heart you know, by coming into this place of ease internal rhythm and grace.